Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. everyone, this is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Friday, May 18th. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today we're hearing about a hidden epidemic of doctors who are abusing women while they're in labor. I know this is a difficult topic, but we feel like it's important for you to hear about. So in the past couple years, there have been a few really shocking cases in the media where women say that they were mistreated or abused by their OBGYN while giving birth. This is horrifying to think about, but for one group of people, these stories are not surprising at all. They're not isolated, and they're not even highly unusual. Birth doulas are professionals who are trained to provide physical and emotional support, but not medical care, for people who are giving birth. And generally speaking, they say that obstetric violence is far too common. So today we've got Vice Executive Editor Dory Carr-Harris speaking with Broadly Editor Kelly Buseman about the story. So I think we should start this conversation maybe with a couple of basic definitions. So first off, what is a doula and what do they do? A doula is like a birth companion. It's someone who's not medically trained, but um, is there to assist a woman before, during and after her childbirth experience to provide emotional support as well as just help throughout the process. Recently, a study was released that had interviewed or taken data from over 2,000 doulas about the sort of shifting nature of their role and some of the more disturbing behavior they had viewed from medical professionals during the childbirth process. Many doulas have come forward to say that what their role actually ends up being when they're in the hospital or in a, a medical setting with their client actually sits closer to the idea of a bodyguard than it does to just a simple advocate. Why is that? A lot of the doulas interviewed were basically saying that there's this normalization of doctors doing things to pregnant women without their consent or without like fully explaining what was going on. It was something like 90% of 90% of women had seen a doctor doing something without fully explaining it and 60% had seen a doctor performing a procedure or some kind of examination without consent. So there's just this way in which we have this view that like the, the doctor is this ultimate authority who knows better and the pregnant woman is kind of just there to have stuff done to her until she's done giving birth. And what a doula would say is that this should be like a collaborative process between a woman giving birth and the people helping her give birth. That... Obviously, her needs and her comforts are paramount, and they should be listened to and respected. And the predominant framework a lot of them say they've seen is one in which that isn't prioritized as much as it should be. And the the results of that can be anything from, like, discomfort, someone having an examination performed without really being able to say yes, to something as extreme as a forced C-section. 
Right. And these doulas are now acting more so as a protective agent for these women, just trying to prioritize their comfort and safety in a setting that seems quite hostile at times. I think we also have this idea like the doctors know best. And I think a lot of pregnant women, it's so overwhelming to be in a hospital giving birth. And I think that it wouldn't be their first instinct to be like, no, I don't want that. So I think doulas see themselves as being able to be like, you are giving birth. You shouldn't have to advocate for yourself. If you're uncomfortable, I will intervene and I will do something. Because some people don't even realize like that's an option. And one of the terms that has sort of started to come to the forefront is obstetric violence. Now, what is that and how is that playing out in hospitals across the country? Obstetric violence... It's a, it's a very wide umbrella term, but it's basically just women being mistreated while they're giving birth. And that can be a wide variety of things, of anything to like a forced epidural or denying someone an epidural if she wants one, doing a procedure without fully explaining it, without getting someone's consent, or something as far as a forced C-section, which does happen in America at an alarming rate. It's not officially recognized by the U.S. government, although there are some countries where awareness of it is starting to grow. Um, it's mostly a term used by advocates. For instance, something like a forced epidural, even arguably a forced C-section, wouldn't be illegal in the U.S. Under like the umbrella of obstetric violence, it might count as like assault if it's violent enough. But yeah, obstetric violence is not like officially recognized, nor is it illegal in America. Yeah, this seems like it's a very challenging idea because I think that because of the way that we've been socialized and the role that Western westernized medicine plays in our society, there is a conception that, you know, if a doctor recommends or carries out a medical procedure, it's because the health of the mother or the child is at risk. But it seems that based on these doulas' experiences that they've been sharing, that these procedures are actually being carried out when there might potentially not be an actual or active risk to the mother or child. I think it's this kind of attitude that's very insidious, and it maybe most people don't recognize they have it, where people just genuinely think that pregnant women don't know what they're talking about. Pregnant women are ignored in a way that anyone going for any other kind of medical procedure wouldn't be. I think the highest profile example of this recently would be Serena Williams, who said after she had a C-section, there was a clot in her lung and no one believed her, even though it was something she'd struggled with before. And it's something that commonly happens after C-sections. And she really was put in this position of having to advocate for herself. I really think it has a lot to do with the way we view women and pregnant women in particular. The idea that you're just acting hysterical. And there's also like a lot of research that shows that women with any kind of medical condition doctors tend to think that they're overreacting and not take their pain seriously. So I think it's a confluence of a lot of things. There have been cases though where we're starting potentially to see the very beginnings in the U.S. of a change in how we're viewing this and how we understand what constitutes obstetric violence, whether or not we are classifying it as such. Another high-profile case that is mentioned in this piece is Caroline Malatesta, who won actually a $16 million lawsuit against Brookwood Medical Center for what she claimed was, you know, extreme trauma and damages, both mental and physical. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened in her case? 
Yeah, in the case of Caroline Malatesta, she purposely chose a hospital where she'd heard there was a natural birthing plan, and she was excited about that. She really wanted to give birth on her own terms. She'd already given birth two times, I believe. And what happened was not that at all. She felt like she was given no agency. At one point, she said, while her son's head was coming out, the nurse pushed his head into her pelvis and just kept it there. And she was, like, held down. She wasn't allowed to move freely. And the result was her son was born healthily, but she suffered huge medical issues afterwards. She is not able to have sex anymore because the pain is so severe. And she was eventually awarded $16 million. But notably, that wasn't for obstetric violence. It was for assault. And it was because, according to the court, the hospital had falsely advertised itself. This was definitely a huge moment. But at the same time, I think a lot of the reaction outside of reproductive rights, doula circles, was horror. And as though this was an isolated incident. And um, a lot of the doulas interviewed for this article were saying, this is an extreme case. This is terrible. But it's also far from an isolated incident. What surprised them wasn't that this had happened. What surprised them was that she had sued, and even more so that she had won. And why do you think it is that women don't come forward, that these doulas were surprised that she had actually sued? I think in many cases, if the mother and the child are both healthy, people just want to put it behind them. But I also do think that there's this way in which women are taught to just accept pain, and especially around childbirth in particular, in our culture, extending back to people saying that, like, childbirth is Eve's punishment. It's really, really hard on your body. You're supposed to, like, shove something football-sized out of you, and everyone expects you to get back up and go to work in two weeks. Yes, I think there's, it's a lot. Like, it's like people just are like, pregnancy's hard, deal with it, and get over it. Give like men went through pregnancy, they'd write about it the way they write about war. <laughs> be like, I'm so brave. I did this amazing thing. I created a life. I'm in pain. Someone has to wait on me. And instead, people think that women are like whiny when they go through this like huge physical feat and don't immediately get back up and pretend it never happened. Yeah. And I mean, we should certainly mention that two weeks is or three is the sort of standard in the U.S. There are other countries that offer potentially more time off, but agreed it is it's going through severe bodily trauma and then, you know, expecting to have someone back in action Mm -hmm. if they even went through, you know, different a different kind of surgery that wasn't related to pregnancy. I think that the, you know, disability and time off leave is actually more flexible. I think that, you know, what's challenging for people to to conceive of in this case is the, you know, the need for consent and that for that to still be a very important part of the doctor-patient relationship, even in the throes of labor, where it is possible to, you know, either receive it from the mother or through her proxy, the doula. I think that, you know, some of the most sort of distressing anecdotes that are in the piece are ones where doulas are reporting women basically being sexually assaulted by their doctors or what in any other set of circumstances would be considered assault. People like inserting their hands into women's vaginas without their consent, 
not in the throes of labor, like at, at the initial moment when a woman had first arrived at the hospital to, you know, forcing them to, you know, give birth in specific positions and or forcing them to take medication that they're not comfortable with. So what resources are there then for women who feel they've been assaulted or who want more protection during the birthing experience? Actually, the, the first draft that the author sent to me, there was no kind of solution. It sort of was just like, this happens, it's awful. And so I was like, when you send this back, can you please include something about what women should do? And her advice was really just, you should get a doula and you should talk with your doula and you should ask your doula for recommendations. And she said every doula is aware which hospitals are good and which hospitals are bad and which ones they've had good birthing experiences with. And if you ask them, they'll tell you. And I think it's just very good to be as informed as possible beforehand. And it sucks that it's the way it is, but it's like just do as much research as possible. And even like another piece I was working on, this is kind of a tangent, but like was this woman who um, was giving birth in a Catholic hospital. She had a major complication. Basically, the fetus was not going to survive, but still had a heartbeat, so they would not perform an abortion on her, and she ended up nearly dying. And it was because it was a Catholic hospital, and Catholic hospitals will not intervene if the fetus's heart is still beating. And she had no idea. One in six hospitals in America is a Catholic hospital. So if you're experiencing some sort of side effect like that and you go to the wrong hospital, you could end up with a serious complication near death. She had no idea. She just was like, I'm going to the ER because I'm bleeding. So it's like really complicated and horrible, but I think anyone's best recourse is to be as informed as possible and really, really think about this when you're making your whole like pregnancy plan is where am I going? What is the staff there like? Will I be able to get the care I need? Also, I was speaking to the author and I was wondering like if there's any way we could include, is there some kind of legislative fix going on? And she said, no. It's really unlikely that we're going to see this recognized on a national level and state by state is going to take decades. So for now, it's really up to the individual. Yeah, it's Handmaid's Tale vibes. <laughs> it's extremely Handmaid's Tale vibes. I, that was another thing I was thinking about, too, because I've worked on a lot of pieces about the kind of rigorous laws around abortion that are meant to dissuade women from getting abortion. And I was thinking about it's so clear that this hyper-policing of abortion on one hand and like lack when it comes to maternity care is not about protecting a woman and like arguably not even about protecting a baby because if women are suffering massive complications while giving birth, that's definitely not in the child's best interest. Mm -hmm. In some ways, we have kind of an informal whisper network amongst doulas that similarly sort of mirrors what we saw with Me Too. Mm -hmm. Do you think that as more women and doulas start to speak out, that even though there's no potential legislative fix on the horizon right now, that that could speed up the process? Yeah, actually, in the first draft of this piece, a lot of the doulas compared what was happening to me to. Um, and I felt that because it was already such an underrecognized issue that like, I thought that the comparison to Me Too might put people off and kind of distract from the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, it's certainly there are instances of assault. Mm. Also, as we were saying before, like all of the things that fall under the, the umbrella of it, obstetric violence, 
bullying, Mm -hmm. discrimination, harassment, and the sort of, you know, what you've been describing, this, this very pervasive deprioritizing of the rights of women and prioritizing the rights of of the you know unborn fetus or baby once it's born which we can see mirrored in other you know areas of society and which has long existed in the medical profession so you know whether or not there's an exact one to one it does seem like there are a lot of points of similarity but because we have this you know systemic and societal bias about the power of of medical institutions and that kind of implicit respect for for doctors and for those in the medical profession which i'm certainly not saying we shouldn't have but it is quite weighted on that side that it's almost in some ways more difficult to bypass or to get any kind of clarity or action around than you know, Hollywood producers or national news anchors. Well, if you look at the history of the institutionalization of birth, there was actually a concerted effort on the American Medical Association's part to discredit midwives. That was one of the ways they consolidated power was by saying midwives are dangerous. They don't know what they're talking about. And so there is this like moral high ground, like we're the official doctors. You need to come in. So I do think that that sort of like institutional belief in the unalienable right of a doctor is not coincidental. And I think it also is one of the reasons that women's own experiences and desires are seen as secondary while they're giving birth. But to speak to Me Too, I'd say that a lot of the doulas interviewed saw this as their own Me Too moment, where there was something that had been going on forever, and finally people were speaking up about it. Like, a lot of people like explicitly were like, this is our Me Too. To read the full story, go to broadly.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.